Thank you, Jim and Judy. Turning to Mark chapter 2 this morning, we want to look at uh, first 12 verses. I'm going to ask you when you find that, Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, to stand in God's honor as, uh, to read the text, pray before we get the message. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that He had come home. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And He preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to Him a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they could not get Him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above. Jesus and After digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there, thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Let's pray. Father, as we come to You, Lord, we confess that at times our perspectives and our attitudes are wrong. That we live defeated lives instead of the victory that You want us to experience. Lord, this morning, speak to our hearts about the importance of seeing correctly. About the importance, Lord, of having the right perspective. And God, I just pray that You give me a freedom to speak as You lead. I pray that there would be a flow to the message that I wouldn't ramble on and on. And I pray, Father, that there might be a, a genuine fire that is just evidence, God, that You're working. And Father, we just want You to be glorified today. So Father, help us to push aside the distractions around us and place our full attention on You the one who fully deserves it. We love you, Lord, and we just beg you to speak to our hearts. In your name we pray. Amen. Lydia graduated yesterday, and we had a graduation party. There were four families, and one lady had spent $200 on cheese. Man, that was some good cheese. And uh, so we got in some of that cheese. One guy wondered... uh, he must have really liked it. I count. I think I counted him going up there nine times to get cheese. You're not supposed to count, but uh, I think that's right. Heard a story about speaking of cheese about a grandpa who had one of those uh, mustaches that go. Matter of fact, we knew a guy like that in church one time. Malachi Goforth was his name. But anyway, this grandpa he he loved cheese and he got a hold of some Limburger cheese. Man, he cut him a big slab of that Limburger cheese, sat down and started eating it. 
Well, he got some of it on his mustache. So he, so he was sitting there. He goes, man, this chair stinks. There must be some, they must have let that stinky wet dog up on my chair. It stinks. So he got up. He, he went into the bedroom. He goes, he says, man, my bed stinks. They must have, they must have let that stinky wet dog on my bed or something crazy happened in here. Went down, the grandkids were playing and he goes, he says, man, they stink. I gotta tell the kids to give them a bath. Let them go too long. So then he stepped outside and he goes, he says, man, the whole world stinks. And then when he reached up to do this, he pulled off a little cheese and he said, oh my. He said, rather than get rid of it all, I'll just cut that mustache off and get rid of it. And the stink was gone. It's easy to have an attitude of stink. It's easy to look around us and go, man, he stinks, or she stinks, or boy, that stinks, or the whole world stinks. God has called us to live above a stinky attitude. Someone has said that our attitude determines our altitude. I want to talk this morning, a couple of scriptures, to look at the importance of having an attitude that remembers our God loves us, and that our God is in charge. Sometimes we can get so wrapped up in the circumstances that we forget the Savior who loves us. And, and so this morning, I just want to remind us of our God and, and to seek to encourage. You know, uh, it's been said uh, by A.W. Tozer that our attitude toward things is likely to be more important than the things themselves. Think about that. Our attitude toward things is likely more important than the things themselves. There are many things in life that we can't control, that we face, but we can control our attitude toward them. I want to read to you, this is a quote from Charles Mandal, one of my favorite preachers on attitude. The longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts. It is more important than the past, than education, than money, than circumstances, than failures, than successes, than what people think or say or do. It is more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, a home. The remarkable thing is, we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the one string we have, and that is our attitude. I am convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. And so it is with you. 
We are in charge of our attitudes. God, help me see clearly. Help me see beyond myself and what I face. Um, turn me a familiar passage in Philippians 4. I just want to read and comment briefly before we look at our primary passage this morning. But Such a well-known passage to those who have been in the faith for any length of time. But it's Philippians 4, verses 6 to 8. It says, Do not be anxious about anything. Let me stop there a moment. Do not be anxious about anything. Why do we worry? It's because we forget. We forget who loves us. We forget who's leading us. We forget who's holding us, as Tammy said so beautifully. Our God holding us, caring for us. We forget. So he says, do not be anxious about anything. I I remember years ago I read in a book and it stuck with me. I I read that this guy was writing and he said, you know, when I get really anxious and I worried, I I go to a mirror and I I stand in front of one of those full-face mirrors and I look in the mirror and I say, my problem is too big for the God of the universe who created everything out of nothing and who sustains everything and makes it all work and hold together and function. And My problem is just too big for Him to handle. And then I break a big belly laugh over such a stupid, ridiculous comment. Do not be anxious about anything. Our God's big enough to handle it, guys. Do not be anxious about anything... But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What a beautiful invitation. Basically, the Scripture says, why don't you talk to your dear daddy about it? Your heavenly Father. Instead of fretting, and, and worrying and being paralyzed, talk to Dad. He loves us more than we can understand. And He invites us into His presence to talk to Him. And then He promises this peace that passes, that transcends all understanding. He, he says, man, I'm going to take care of you. And then I want you to notice a, a mindset that we are to follow. Finally, brothers, this is verse 8, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That's to be our focus. True, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. That's to be our, our the way we think, guys. Not with defeated attitudes, but remembering that we are children of the King. That ultimately we are winners. That we might be going through tough times, but we know we're victors. The Scripture uh, says um, that who's ever born of God is victorious over the world. And that's the child of God. That's you. If you've given your heart to Christ, you're a victor. So am I. I turn me to Mark chapter 4, headed toward Mark 2, where I want to close, but 
or I'm excuse Mark seven. I said Mark four, Mark seven. And Mark seven, Jesus is addressing the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who who are hung up on image, who are hung up on looks. And Jesus said, more than worrying about the outside, worry about inside your heart. And he responds to that. Uh, look down at verse 20 of Mark 7. He went on, what comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within, out of men's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. Our focus is not what's around us, but what's inside of us. Jesus said, you need, there's a heart issue that has to be dealt with, that has to continually be dealt with. I believe for us to be all that God wants us to be, rather than making our main emphasis and focus on what's around us, to focus upon God, how's my heart? What, what, how am I thinking? Is it right? Is it correct? Is it in line with you and your truth and your word? Am I trusting you? Or am I filled with fear because I've forgotten you're holding me and that you love me? And, and these are questions that have to be addressed. And it's not what's out there, it's what's in here that is significant. Johnny Erickson Tata um, was really popular when I was younger. She was in an accident where she dove in water that was too shallow and ended up paralyzed and in a wheelchair. And she has um, had a ministry for a long time and just a very gifted speaker and a dear woman who loves the Lord. And when she went, she talks about when she first entered the hospital, she soon discovered that the biggest job of the hospital was not to teach her how to walk again because she would never walk again. It was to teach her that she would never walk again. To not place her focus and her emphasis on what she would no longer be able to do, but what now she would be able to do. Sometimes we don't want to let go of things. And God says it's time to let go of this, and it's time to pursue this. To follow me with that kind of heart and that kind of attitude and that kind of focus. Alright guys, with that in mind, let's look at our focal passage. Mark chapter 2. We see that Jesus entered Capernaum. The people heard He had come home. So many people gathered, there was no room left, even outside the door, and He preached the Word to them. You know, it always encourages me. That when you look at Jesus, people want to crowd around Him. Isn't it encouraging that God, who is so awesome and so great and so able to squash us like a bug, came and people wanted to be near Him so much that they crowded the rooms to be near Him? 
It's just awesome to know that our God thinks of us that way. He doesn't get hung up on, on our sin. He, instead, He came to die for us and He loves us and the people crowded around. Why? Because when He spoke, man, He captured their hearts. And they just knew, this guy cares about me. And when He speaks, He's trying to reach me. He's trying to connect with me. He's trying to touch my life and give me the answers that I'm craving, that I long for. And so they crowded around Him to get to Him. The place was full, but there was one guy, as we'll read about, that couldn't get in that crowded place that needed to be near Jesus. And uh, we read about in verse 3, it says, Some men came, bringing him a paralytic, carried by four of them. Isn't that great? Can you, what kind of friends? Is, isn't that great to have those kind of friends? He couldn't get there, so they each grabbed the corner of the mat and they carried their buddy to get near Jesus. Since they could not get to him, to Jesus, because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus. And after digging through it, what a sight that must have been. Trying to get Jesus' attention and here's roof falling down. I wonder if that owner needed to pray. The owner of that house. You know, in those days they had flat roofs on those houses. It wasn't unusual for grass to grow on those kind of roofs. And they had stairways that went outside the outside of the wall so you could easily get to the roof so that you could fix the roof and work on the roof. But what a scene this must have been. A part of the roof is being cleared away because they were determined to get this man that they cared about to Jesus. And it says, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith. I want to stop there a moment because we think about the paralytic, the fact Jesus touched him and he healed him. But this is plural doesn't mention just the paralytic's faith when Jesus saw their faith. Also the guys that were willing to go to so much trouble. May God give us, as a Kingsway family, a, a, a faith to care about people in such a way that we want to find some way to per, get them near Jesus. That's the objective. When Jesus saw their faith, He said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. What a sight. What a faith. What an attitude. Correct thinking. Uh, But uh, now here's some incorrect thinking. Look at verse 6. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves. Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? interesting here that they didn't say anything. They didn't voice their attitude. But Jesus picked up on it. Sometimes you can catch attitudes without a word. I'm having a good time. I remember one church meeting I was at. There were like ten people in this uh, committee meeting nine of them were comfortable dressed a little casual one guy was in this suit looked like he'd been baptized in pickle juice I thought uh oh this doesn't look safe for a preacher 
Jesus knew the attitude. He knew the stinky attitude. These guys were going around, Jesus stinks. This whole thing stinks. He knew what they were thinking in their hearts. And He addresses them. What's wrong with you guys? Get it together. You need to think right. You're messing up. Matter of fact, look at his response. He says, immediately, Jesus didn't mess around. He's, well, I'll give you a couple of weeks and then we'll talk about it, okay? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Why? Which is easier, to say the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and take your mat and walk? but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Three beautiful commands. You know what's what's great about this? Remember, he's, he's, he's laying here. Jesus is nailing these religious prunes, prudes, and he's forgiven. He's saved, sanctified, and not soured, but excited. He's laying there forgiven, whole. He's listened to these guys. I, I imagine he didn't have a lot of love for them because they were the kind of guys that said, well, the reason this guy is paralyzed, the reason he can't walk is because of his sin. You know, probably sometime when he was being formed in his mother's womb and he was kicking around in there that he committed some horrendous sin and God said he's got to be punished and so therefore he just will never walk. It's really hard to love people who send those kind of messages to you. This is all your fault that you're handicapped. This is all your fault that you have this dilemma. Jesus didn't do that mess. He just sat there saved. I bet he had a big smirk on his face. Get him, Lord. But he says to him, and I love this, he says to the prelate, looks, Jesus looks over at him, get up. That got some attention, I bet. He got up. Get up. Took his mat and walked out. Isn't that great? He just walked out. See you guys. And they just looked at his backside as he walked away. Has Jesus worked as he, as he healed this guy? I love this. It says, This amazed everyone, and they praised God, <laughs> saying, We've never seen anything like this. Man. Jesus addressed the attitudes. He knew what they were thinking. He wanted to change. And they had an example of somebody's attitude who had been changed and rearranged and set free, and he walked away a new person. And God may be speaking today, calling out today, Do you need an attitude readjustment? Maybe He wants that to change in your life. Quit focusing so much on the circumstance that you miss the Savior. Get it together, man. God loves you. He wants you to walk in victory. Not say, the world stinks, but that I'm saved. I'm forgiven. And that I'm blessed. That's what He wants you to see. Anyway, a wonderful moment here. And they all looked around, they praised God. We've never seen anything like that. You know, I think of Thomas. You know, Thomas really gets a hard knock, the disciple. Because he said, unless I can touch those nail holes, 
Unless I can actually put my finger there. I can't believe. He was devastated. He, he had missed that appearance of Jesus that the others were able to experience. He said, unless I can put my finger in His side, unless I can touch Him, see it with my own eyes, I, I can't believe. Do you know what's really cool? If you examine that passage in the Gospel of John, Jesus appeared. And isn't it great? Jesus is so patient. He says, alright Thomas, I'm here. Here's, here, here's the, here's the places, the wounds. But what I love is Thomas looks at him and he says, My Lord and my God. And he believes. It never says that he reached out there and stuck his finger in the hole. His attitude was changed. He didn't need that anymore. God got a hold of him. His attitude changed and then his actions changed and his heart changed. And he did that kind of work in his life. Jesus did that kind of work in his life. And he still does that stuff. That's our heart's desire. Um, let me close with this story. The story of two guys that were terminally ill in a hospital, laid flat on their backs, not able to move. One of the guys, they would actually get up in a wheelchair for an hour a day. And he was by the window. Of course, they got closed because they were bored in that room. They have a lot to do. They would share about each other's families, their homes, their jobs, um, just their lives. They became close. And when that guy would get put up in that chair, he'd look out the window and he would, he would tell uh, his roommate what he saw. He says, oh, wow. He says, there's a beautiful park on the other side of the hospital. And he said, and, and young lovers walk by arm in arm every once in a while, you know, hey, look at that, they're smooching. He'd look, he'd look out that window and, and he'd say, Oh boy, it's just such a beautiful day. As the, as the people go by and there's, there's ducks in a, in a pond out there. And, um, there's swans and, and there's, look, there's some kids making little model, they've made little model boats and they're turning it loose in, in the water. And, and this guy that was laid in the bed that, that was not able to move, he loved to hear him talk about what was out that window. And then he began to think, why should he be by the window? Why shouldn't I be the one that they get up to look out the window? And began to get bitter. He'd listen to the stories, but his attitude began to change. And he thought, I just wish he'd die so I could get over there and look out that window. Well, one day he got his wish. A nurse came in the room and his roommate had died. And so she... Uh, Notified the family. and Sometime later, after he had left the room, the guy thought, ah, now's my opportunity. And he asked the nurse, said, will you move me over, get me up in that chair and move me over by the window? So she got a couple of aides to help, put him in the chair, took him over by that window. and He had struggled. He hadn't, he hadn't been up. And he, he, he managed to scoot around and managed to look out that window, and he saw a brick wall. He got upset. You mean the whole time, this hospital, all you can see out that window is a brick wall? Why would he do that? Why would he tell me all those stories? He said, oh, you didn't realize he was blind. 
He never could see. Maybe He just wanted to encourage you by telling you I was out the window. It sure does matter what you see. And the truth is, you can see just about anything you want to. What do you want to see? Do you want to see the brick wall? Or do you want to see the blessings that surround you? Our God. My challenge to us as a church family is to be a people that have an attitude that puts us at a high altitude so that other people can see Jesus. Let's pray. God, thank you for an opportunity this morning to be faced with our attitudes. Help us, Lord, when our attitudes are stinky. Help us, Father, that we might see that you love us and that we are very blessed. Help us, Lord, to think correctly. To not be like those stuffed-shirted Pharisees, Lord, that were mad at Jesus because He didn't follow their protocol. Help us instead, Lord, to be like the paralytic who needed to be touched by Jesus, who obeyed Jesus and walked away a new guy. Help us, Lord, as we walk out of the sanctuary today, as we move out of the sanctuary today. Help us, Lord, to go out with the fact that we are loved and that we are blessed. Regardless of our limitations, Lord, You love us. And help us to live, Father, in the fact that You do have a plan for us, all of us. And that, Father, that attitude that we possess and that we live affects our ability to do Your will, what You have for us to do. So, Father, help us to have the right focus for Your glory. It's in Your name we pray. Amen.